1: Welcome, and good morning. I'm very happy today to introduce you all to private investigator Kevin McLean, who will be sharing what he has learned about marketing a PI business. Hi, Kevin.
2: Hey, good morning, Francie. How are you?
1: I'm great. So, Kevin, how did you get into this crazy business called private investigation? How did you know, that... it
2: goes back a, a long, long way. Um, actually, when I was about five years old, I got a picture of myself in my office with a trench coat and a fedora on. So, uh, <laughs> I guess it's always been in my blood, but for about, uh, 20 years I was in, uh, management. I was in retail management. I was a radio host, aka just like you. Uh, I also did general sales managing. Um, you know, help develop, uh, different types of advertising, uh, packages and marketing packages for people. Plus I own my own businesses. I was in the nightclub business and uh, kind of a little bit of a mini entrepreneur went back to college decided to get out of that and go back to school to become an attorney got involved in doing this as an internship and as they say the rest is history
1: so did you ever become an attorney
2: no i went to work for a law firm though
1: you went to work for a law firm and then decided you would rather be a pi
2: yeah actually when i went to work for the law firm i started uh, i was their legal investigator in-house investigator and that was back in uh, nineteen ninety three.
1: Okay. And you then your experience was conducting uh, both civil and criminal investigations at that time. Yes,
2: uh, the law firm I worked for, uh, though it was a small market law firm, they had eight attorneys in there, and they were a uh, full service uh, law firm. Everything from civil to criminal to corporate, estates, probates, divorce, you know, custody, workers' comp, you name it. Wow. Uh, i was in a conference room every day with a different attorney, and so you talk about the best law school I could ever go to. That no was kidding.
1: it. Yeah, no kidding. And how long did you do that?
2: I did that uh, for 10 years, and then along that time I started developing my own PI business.
1: So you launched, you have Kevin W. McLean Investigations Limited? Correct. Is that, is that what you launched at that time?
2: I launched that in 1998.
1: Okay. And then you're licensed in a couple, three states, right?
2: Yeah, we're licensed in Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Missouri, and
1: Wisconsin. Wow. Okay. That's a few. That's a few, yes. <laughs> and, okay. And then um, you have some additional certifications as well.
2: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I'm a board-certified criminal defense investigator. I'm a certified guerrilla marketing uh, coach, which is kind of what we're going to be talking about uh, today. I've right. also gone through the training with the Reid interviews, uh, you know, interrogation, you know, classes. I've gone through that. And uh, like I say, I've, uh, I'm actually working with a law school, Valparaiso Law School, to develop another certification program for defense investigators, which we're getting ready to kick off actually in the fall.
1: Oh, interesting. I'd like to hear more about that another time. Okay. Certainly. So, um, but today, uh, you're here about to talk about marketing. And how to make money. How to make money. And you call grill, really guerrilla marketing, right? Marketing Correct. boot camp is our topic today. Yes. So, for our listeners, I want you to think about this. Are you a person who knows how to run a business? Do you have a marketing plan?
2: I, I would define- say that I, I'm a business owner that runs okay. a PI business.
1: All right. So, and we, and what we run into often, Kevin, is we have a lot of people are good investigators and then some people are good business owners. A lot of people aren't both. Isn't that right?
2: That is correct. I think, actually statistics show in our industry, about 80% of them within the first five years go out of it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, for our listeners, do you have a strategy to grow your business or increase your income? Kevin is going to talk about this. So, Kevin, tell us what marketing is. What is marketing?
2: Well, the type of marketing we're going to talk about today, Francie, is guerrilla marketing. And uh, it's kind of a different type of uh, strategy. It more focuses on low cost, which we all like that, and unconventional marketing tactics that will yield basically maximum results. Um, would you like me to give you a few?
1: Absolutely.
2: Just give you an idea about guerrilla marketing in general. Um, take Main Street, USA, anywhere in the country. It doesn't have to be a big city or a metropolitan area. It's a small town, USA. you got three furniture stores on one Main Street. you got a big, gigantic one on one side and a bigger one on the other side, and you got the small little and pop shop right in the middle. The guy on the right side says, huh, oh, I'm going to run this big, big sale this weekend. I'm going to say everything, you know, half price off. He puts a big banner outside his place. You got the guy on the other side of him that says, oh, I'm going to outdo him. I'm going to run 70% off everything in my store today. These two banners now cover up the little small mom and pop shop. Now, mm-hmm. a guerrilla marketer does this. He puts a little banner right outside the mom and pop shop. It says main entrance.
1: Hmm. <laughs> that's very good <laughs> interesting
2: let's give you an idea of guerrilla marketing now let's take it into our profession as PIs here's a little secret that you can do in the business go into yellow pages a lot of people question about should we still be advertising yellow pages or not You know, that's kind of a you know, person's preference but what you can do is you go into yellow pages you look up all the PIs in your market area Then you start smiling and dialing. You find the ones that are disconnected. You then contact the phone company and buy those phone numbers. Because those people did spend money on marketing. They did have a presence at one time with that phone number. So therefore, with you acquiring those different phone numbers, people still calling in that may have had that number from, you know, say a few years ago or something like that. Now they're going to be, you know, uh, calling you. You know, that's that's a creative way of developing business without really having to work hard or really having to spend a lot of money. You know, it's another, you know, guerrilla marketing type of, uh, you know, tactic. Um, One of the things i am seeing now more and more is uh, uh, these uh, investigators who will reach out on these high-profile cases and they'll contact the media sources and kind of become their consultants. Now, what happens on this is the actual investigator that's working the case, he's probably under a gag order that he can't talk about the case he's working on. But the person coming in as the consultant is able to talk everything about the case, and they almost now become the expert where a lot of people have the misconception that this was the person who actually worked on the case. And you see that happen a lot in these uh, really uh, high-profile cases. But that's another technique of doing guerrilla marketing. You know, it's very low mm. cost, but you get your name out there in creative ways.
1: Interesting, interesting. Um, okay, those those are really good examples. And you know, Kevin, this applies to any kind of business. I mean, it doesn't just apply to PI business.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that was one of the things with me coming from the background I came from, with general, you know, you know sales manager in a radio station. The whole objective with our business was trying to create marketing you know, plans and ideas and promotions, you know, to develop businesses, you know, for our clients. No different. We're in a service oriented business, we're selling services to people. So we gotta kinda think, as we say, think like the buyer. You know, what's in it for me? That that type of, you know, idea of what you're gonna be looking at in your mindset when you're trying to market your business.
1: So, um, Kevin, is it important to know what kind of customer you want to go after, or do you, should you just go after anybody that you, you can bring in the door?
2: I think you ought to really develop a focused idea of who's your target market you're wanting to go after. Uh, you know, I've learned a lot of things over the years as far as when I first came into business. Anybody that came through the door, anybody that called me on the phone, I was taking their case. You know, because of course you're trying to develop your income and, and develop yourself in the, in the industry. But now looking back on that years later, there was a lot of things probably that I should not have taken. Uh, either A, one, I wasn't skilled enough to do it or was kind of in over my head or B, it just really was an area of the profession that I really just didn't want to do, especially understanding now, you know, all the problems that are encountered. You know, we talk like with domestic cases, a lot of people like domestics and infidelities but for me, I'm not that good of a psychologist, and I just kind of like to refer those cases to somebody else anymore. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so... Hmm. So do you think that specialization is a a good idea? Do you think you get more business by specializing in an area?
2: The old saying is there's riches in niches.
1: Okay. And (laughs) I
2: think it is so, so true. In In this day and age... And this is something that I would challenge all your listeners to, Francie, is we always look at each other as competition. And I wish we could get out of that mindset and look at ourselves as a profession that we're offering professional services to people who need information, who sometimes were their last opportunity uh, or resource they have to you know, try to reach out to. And if we could develop a relationship amongst ourselves in the profession where there's certain niches that I do that I've, train myself to do, and, and learn how to do that it would take me a year to teach somebody else to do. So instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, they could easily do some contract, you know, someone like myself, they can then, you know, upsell the product to their clients. Now they've got a client that's very satisfied because they've got more professional products, you know, that they can offer to them, you know, versus trying to do it all yourself. And if we can all find out from each other, like, okay, what certain niches that you do, Francie? you know, that I don't do, that, that I can maybe utilize your services and market them in, on my website, but then just subcontract it to you. I think mm-hmm. that's something we miss a lot in the industry, because when I first started out, I was like, everybody's my competition, I don't want really to give away my secrets or my ideas or my thoughts, but now it's like, you know what, if you look at the big picture, and we don't get tunnel vision, there's so much business out there, and we can each help each other to help our clients, you know, better, you know, develop their cases, solve their problems and things of that nature
1: for sure well i want to i want to explore this subcontract subcontract idea a little bit more but we need to take a break kevin kevin McLean sure. will be right back after a real short commercial break
0: the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or Cali. Cali.
1: Investigator Kevin McLean is here talking about guerrilla marketing and how to build your business Uh, Kevin you mentioned subcontracting that could be uh, a mixed bag isn't it Did I lose you? I'm here Okay Uh, Talk about a little bit about uh, Subcontracting some more because that could be sometimes a really good thing and sometimes uh, It could kind of go south
2: Absolutely. I think it's really important when we are going to be talking about doing subcontracting that we know the person we're subcontracting to. And I can't think of any better way to learn about that person than by going and joining professional associations. Uh, NCISS is one, IntelliNet's another one, NALI. uh, These professional organizations and associations where you're actually seeing the people, you're networking with them, you're getting to know a little bit about their business, you know, finding out their unique niches and and things that they offer. Plus, it kind of helps you, like, I know who I'm dealing with. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to, you know, have a little background information on somebody because the worst case scenario you want to have is subcontract some, you know, some uh, work to somebody, and then the fact that they kind of drop the ball because you're the one has to answer, you know, to the client. So I know you see a lot out there on listservs where people want to subcontract, but if I don't know who the person is, you know, I'm not just going to automatically respond to something like that because I, among others out there, have been burned before by people where sure. I've done some attractive work for. So I think it's really important that we, we get to know each other, you know, and offer the services, but also like say, we've got a reputation, we've got credibility, you know, within our, you know, community as far as the professionals that we've done good quality work. And that's where I think that testimonials, not only from your clients, but from fellow PIs, really helps mm-hmm. solidify the fact that, hey, this person is somebody that I can trust, and I can trust my client's reputation in their hands.
1: Absolutely. And let me just back up here a second. Um, you mentioned two associations. IntelNet is an international association of uh, investigators from all over the world. And um, would you spell that? Can you spell that, uh, Kevin, in case somebody wants to look it up on Google?
2: Yes, I hope I get it right. Uh, it's uh-huh. I-N... T-E-L-L-E-N-E-T. And org, I believe, is the website for it.
1: Okay. And then the other one you mentioned was NCISS, which is the National Council of Investigation Security Services, and that would be at nciss.org. So, um, okay. So that's, you know, that you make a great point because you really, I mean, you know, actually, even if you know somebody personally, often you don't really know them so it's that networking getting together in association meetings and and sitting down and talking with someone and find out what their personal values are is really important if you're planning on sending your client to them
2: absolutely because literally you're putting your clients you know well-being in their hands
1: exactly exactly now um this is I I just thought of this Kevin I hadn't thought of this just before but what about liability Are you responsible if you uh, subcontract to another individual and and uh, they don't do a good job for your client?
2: My personal opinion I would be, I would be liable for that I believe absolutely because I'm still managing the file It's still my responsibility You know I've assigned that person to you know handle my work So I think I would still be you know responsible for that.
1: So all the more. Reason to be very careful.
2: Yes, you know, know, my grandpa told me years ago. You know, you take a lifetime to build up your reputation, and it can be you know torn down in five minutes.
1: Boy, we see that every day in the news, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) So you have some great ideas on creative, out of the box uh, ways to build your business. Share those with us, will you?
2: Yes, and and I'm going to give credit where credit's due because. As we talked about before, when you're doing networking, you're always asking questions. Good investigators ask open-ended questions. That, you know, when I'm talking to somebody or meeting somebody, I don't want to be talking about myself as much as I want to be talking and finding out about them. You know, and mm-hmm. learning things. You know, as far as who they are, what types of businesses are they involved in, what types of niches do they have, and this is how you help find out other information that may help you. You know, because they're sharing. Here's some marketing. You know, tools that have you know helped me. So, uh, uh, Francie, we're just over there together at the Association's One uh, Conference uh, just last week, and I was talking to uh, uh, Brandy Lord. Uh, She's an investigator over in Indiana, Mm -hmm. and uh, we were chatting later on, and she's telling me about this new marketing uh, program she's doing uh, in domestic cases and child custody cases where, in conjunction with the attorneys, she's basically doing uh, the father's rights and doing the research for the father's coming in and doing a consultation with the fathers as far as, here's what to expect. Here's some of the legal terms you've got to get prepared for whenever you're you know, coming to court. Uh, here's what the research shows about what the elements are, you know, as far as it's going to require you to possibly go get custody. Now, keep in mind, she's not asking, acting as an attorney. She's actually working in conjunction with the attorney. But it's a brilliant marketing idea because now these uh, fathers are now understanding the value of a professional investigator, as far as doing child custody investigations, mm-hmm. so I, I just thought it was really a very unique outside the box approach to something. And the attorneys are complimenting her, saying like, "Wow, this really has helped us on our cases." So, you know, and you get yeah, attorneys can, talking about it.
1: I can, and I can see how that would work. I uh, because typically the female side of a custody case, the the mother uh, usually gets that kind of counseling from her attorney and. The fathers don't, typically.
2: Right. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, that was really a brilliant move. And then uh, last year when I was out there at the uh, NCISS uh, conference in Las Vegas, I ran into uh, Terry Meyer. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's from Ohio. And Terry shared this uh, idea that he uses as a a marketing piece and actually developed business from it. You don't think about these things, but they are issues. One of the services he offers is to uh, the families – at uh, funerals and visitations to basically do the executive protection for their homes while they're having the visitation and the funeral. Interesting. Now, you know, this day and age, that happens a lot where people will look on the obituaries and they'll see, okay, who's coming up, you know, going to be at a funeral or something, and they're going to go target their homes to go, you know, you know, burglarize them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you said that he's developed quite a little niche you know, business doing that. I thought. That's really creative in thinking outside the box. And, uh, yes. I recently been contacted, uh, by local uh, funeral homes that doing more background checks on all of the relatives. And here's why because, uh, when they're getting ready to do a cremation or something like that, they better make sure that everybody is given consent that has, uh, basically a vested interest in that individual. And, uh, I did a case several years ago where I actually did a you know was doing an investigation because they had uh, cremated somebody without having permission of all the you know relatives you know that were authorized to give that. So this seems like this is maybe something new that's starting to happen more and more because more and more people are getting cremated, you know that they need to make sure that we located all the relatives. Almost like a missing heirs type of isn't, investigation, if you will.
1: Isn't that so, interesting? I I didn't realize the. Um... Funeral home itself would be responsible if they didn't have all those permissions. How you know how, like you say, how would you know? How would you know that you had all the the parties who have a exactly. who have a part in it? Interesting.
2: And like us say the funeral uh, home that I recently worked for, they were very concerned about that, and we had to track down. Okay, was he married before? And we had to try to find out if he would actually had a you know previous marriage. Because some of the families like, well, we think he was, but we're not really you know, for sure about this, and then it kind of reminded me about several years ago when I was doing an investigation, and uh, actually we were suing a funeral home over this particular, you know, uh, type of incident. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that kind of opened up like, okay, there's another unique niche market, and here's the thing, funeral homes may not even be thinking about this, so it may be an opportunity to have a conversation with, you know,
1: that's great. Uh, so, you have uh, questions, Kevin, that you recommend people ask themselves uh, about their about their business. Are like a are there like what you mentioned earlier? Is there an area that is underserved in my market or in my yep. area of expertise? Are Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Okay. Is there and and what about competition? Are you concerned about competition?
2: You know, after 21 years, I'm not really concerned about competition anymore. I mean, I realize there's certain things we're all going to be doing. We're all going to be doing process serving. We're all going to be doing you know some sort of some sort of surveillance work or, or something like that. But that's where I say you got to get outside that normal tunnel vision about we're all doing the same exact things because there's so many other viable markets out there. And just to give you an idea, uh, I got a call the other day from a lady. Who was hosting, uh, kind of a more of a senior citizens type of, uh, uh, forum and they wanted to talk about identity theft and, you know, because all these security breaches that are going on Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And she wanted to know if we'd come speak for it. You know, and I said, certainly because my thoughts are anytime you get your name out there in front of people, it's a good thing. More people, grandparents got grandkids, grandkids, you know, parents, all these different type of people, you know, they're going to talk about this to all them. So. Uh, I wasn't able to do it, but I had one of my other investigators uh, go over there and do the presentation for them. We had a, a PowerPoint that we do and, and things of that nature. There was 20 people in the room. Hmm. you realize oh, those 20 people, 10 of those people, had had some sort of breach of some sort of dealing with identity theft or something of that nature? Now, what did that prompt me to do as a business owner running a PI business? Now I'm thinking of a new opportunity That there is a very viable market out there that is probably untapped to a degree. I mean, Mm -hmm. you you know, you got the different identity theft protection programs out there that we see nationwide offering things. But I think the more important thing, I think, Francis, you had this lady on your show and I listened to the podcast on that was about the identity theft restoration part of it.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: that's where I started thinking like, okay, there's a market out here to help these people. First of all, educate them. You know, if it does happen to you, here's the things you need to do, you know, to try to protect your identity. Not so much about we're going to try to find out who took your identity, but let's try to restore your identity, you know. And then uh, the phones, your cell phone. People don't realize how much information that you're allowing access through your cell phones. that just because you're downloading various different mobile apps that you don't read the terms and conditions to, that allows access to all kinds of different information about you. So mm-hmm. part of my thought process is now is to develop a whole marketing campaign targeting about identity theft, victims of identity theft, how to do the restoration, target it towards, you know, the living centers, the retirement homes, maybe even financial institutions to offer this as an incentive or a program where they're showing we care about our customers, you know. And by getting them involved, and guess what? They're going to send out the letters on their letterhead, basically endorsing you as being the representative that's going to assist them if there's things that happen, that they at least got somebody local that they could consult with that can help them. So it just kind of prompted me to start thinking about a whole other market that I'd never really thought about, you know, per se, until we just had this uh, low presentation we did.
1: Well, it makes me wonder if a financial institution, say a bank, would be willing to sponsor a seminar like that.
2: You know, why do you ask that? Because I was just talking about Baker a few weeks ago, and I just kind of, you know, you always, you know, thinking about different ideas, and they're always looking for marketing opportunities too. You know, they always do their customer mm-hmm. appreciation days and things like that. But I was just kind of just planting some seeds with them without knowing about this and saying, hey, would you be interested in possibly doing something like this sometime? He sure. said, you know, we always this customer appreciation, but this might be something different that might really, you know, show our customers we care. So, and I think to to, to say, look, out of 20 people in our room, 10 of them, and and we're talking a small little community, what's the chances are of this being, you know, almost not epidemic, but a serious, you know, issue going on around the country that we can be the ones that can address it, and I also think it helps put us into a positive light as our profession, because, you know, Lord knows we need that sometimes because the the renegades are out there in our industry. So Mm -hmm. those type of things, I think, can really help us overall.
1: That's that's a really good idea, and and I w- we talked a lot about this last week, um, Kevin. But things like uh, making presentations to to bar associations, to um, Kiwanis Club, Rotary Club, all of those things, they may not get you a client that day, but when they have something come up, they're going to remember you.
2: Absolutely, I, I would I would seize every moment I could get to do a presentation in front of any type of group that was out there because they're all looking for speakers all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. And if anybody wants any tips on how just to present in front of a group, I'll be glad to share some with them. I'll give you one real simple thing that will help you overcome any kind of fears you have before going up and and speaking in front of a group of 10 or a group of, you know, uh, 200. Uh, Is a secret, and actually a lot of your, your big talk show hosts use this secret too. What I like to do before I go into a room to go present in front of a group, I get to know the people in the room. Just get a little casual conversation, two or three minutes or something, find out where they're from, get a little bit of interest about them and things of that nature. So then when I get up in front of that room, guess what? Now I'm not among strangers. I'm among some friends. You know, I know Bob over there. You know, he's from Ohio. I know Francie; She's from California. You know, I know Don. He's from Indiana. You know, mm-hmm. so now I'm not so nervous as I would have been in front of that strange group of people I've never been in front of. Well, to Just steal little,
1: something little, that Ter- to, <laughs> to steal something that Terry Myers said last week, you were talking about Terry. He said he looks around a room and he says, uh, "I don't see 99 people or 99 investigators. I, I see 99 friends."
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Very true. Very very true.
1: Yeah. Okay. And I
2: think we start looking at things like that. You know, it really relaxes you. So, you, you know, because trust me, when I was back in high school, if you would told me I'm doing what I'm doing today, I would have said, you are crazy. <laughs> I hated yeah. speech. I hated English. You know, all the things <laughs> I'm doing now is what I hated back in high school. <laughs>
1: so, all right. So, all right. Let's, let's take a break, and we'll come back in a, in just a okay. couple moments. Stay tuned.
0: NCISS and CALI are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to PIs Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to F R A N C I E at PIsDeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler.
1: Just before the break, I wanted to ask Kevin what he does when he gets an inquiry call for an individual or somebody asks him what he does how do what is your elevator pitch kevin what do you say and how do you handle that call
2: the elevator pitch would probably depend upon who the individual that's calling in to me or you know, the person I'm talking in front of uh, for example if I'm talking in front of an attorney you know and I find out it's a you know criminal defense attorney uh depend upon you know the type of maybe form my man or something like that, this says, what do you do? You know, well, you know, we help attorneys resolve cases. Or we help attorneys not be embarrassed at trial. Or we help attorneys by being their eyes and ears. You know, uh-huh. you know get on the streets and getting all the information that they need to know. Um, if I'm in front of a corporate executive, we help protect the assets of your corporation. Trying to figure out what is that, the key thing that's most important to them. Not about me, but about, what's in it for them you know how can you help me because that's going to be the bottom line they're going to find out what's in it for me and what can you do for me you know i don't want to hear about all the different accolades you got or all the different certifications you got how can you help me and what i find with attorneys for the most part if you can save them time save them money you'll know, make them look like a rock star those are the type of things they like
1: Mm-hmm. well we all like that don't we
2: Oh, you bet.
1: <laughs> and and uh, fortunately, the kind of people that call us, whether it be a, an attorney or a private individual, they don't call us because um, everything's going well. They call us because they have a problem. And we have to exactly. address that problem. Yes,
2: and, you know, so many times we get the call where it's like, how much do you charge? I mean, that that's almost the first question right. out, out of their mouth. And you, you really want to diffuse that, you know, that uh, <clears throat> that question. Because if there is price shopping, you know, uh, I, I don't get I don't quote rates right off the bat anyway. I wanna understand the person I wanna understand the problems that they're dealing with and I also want to know, especially if it's dealing with child testing or something like that, do you have an attorney involved in this? Mm-hmm. Because my position always is does the attorney know you're talking to me because we could do all kinds of different investigations for you and you know, acquire evidence and stuff, but the attorney's not on board, or he says, I don't want that, I want this, because this is what I know the the judge will, you know, uh, want to see. we got to have that open communications that we're all on the same page, so we're being as cost-effective for the client as possible. So I really want them to walk me through everything, you know, that, oh, yeah, I've already talked to the attorney, he's aware of this, you know, and I say, tell me about, you know, your case a little bit, You know, and then tell me, you know, what are the things you're you're wanting, you know, that you're needing help with? And then based upon what they tell me is then when I kind of ask them, you know, do you have a budget in mind for this? You Mm know, find out. Have they thought about this and thought about a budget number themselves because their budget number may be a lot higher than what you're thinking? So, you know, you want to not, you know, shoot yourself in the foot, but Mm -hmm. then you also want to, you know, feel them out as far as, well, gee, I've never thought about that before or, you know. I want to kind of gauge them, you know, where they're at on the on the scale, because I don't want to waste a lot of time. Because years ago, I used to spend a lot of time on the phone, and you know, uh, you got to manage your time very wisely.
1: So, what do you, what's your response, Kevin? So you get down to the point where um, you're quoting them a rate, and they say, eh, "Boy, that's more than I was planning. Can't you do it for less?" What do you say to that? Well, I would say, "Well, okay."
2: Uh, you indicated you wanted A, B, C, D, and E. Okay? What would you like me to eliminate? Because mm-hmm. so, remember, they're the ones who told me I want all these different things, and they're saying, well, I really need all this stuff. Well, then, you know, the quote, the retainer I'm quoting you is what I'm, you know, projecting that it was probably going to need to be able to do this case, you know, professionally the way you want it done, you know, based upon what you told me you needed. Now, if you want to eliminate some things, then we can readjust, you know, the amount. Mm-hmm. So I put, it, I put it back on, I, I try to put it back on them if I can.
1: Yeah. Oh, and w- one of the things I say, Kevin, uh, if we get down to, well, I really can't afford it. And I said, you know, I'm more than happy to refer to you somebody that works for, for less. Let me give you, let, let me get back to you with some names and some contact information. And it's always very interesting to me that I get the assignment. <laughs> even though I offered it for
2: less. That's very good, because it's like, you know, if you're looking for cheap, I can get you some, you know, other people that'll do it for, a lot, for, for less money, you know. Absolutely. Uh, you know, my reputation means a lot to me, and I don't want you to be upset, you know, with the quality of work, and I know what's going to be needed here, because we've been doing it for numerous years, and we know what's going to be required of this type mm-hmm. of assignment.
0: Okay,
1: that, so no. so... Give us some other kinds of ideas where you've you've looked outside the box and you've done some things that are successful.
2: Well, you know, you were mentioning uh, a little while ago about, you know, doing presentations and speaking in front of different groups and uh, things of that nature. One of the the things we're getting ready to start doing um, with uh, Valparaiso Law School, I've been very honored to uh, be asked to uh, start doing a training session, uh, not really a session, but actually a uh, of course, with upcoming attorneys educating them about how to do investigations. Now, mm-hmm. this is far, you know the first time in the country this has ever been offered at any law school, but what's nice about this is it now puts our profession in, in the spotlight about how we help attorneys and how it's going to make these attorneys realize the value of utilizing professional investigators. Now, take that same idea You've got young attorneys graduating every single year. Two things I would recommend for somebody to consider doing, especially, well, not just criminal defense, but even civil defense, uh, or civil cases in general. Contact the local professors at the law schools. Offer to bring yourself or your staff in to be basically uh, mock witnesses to get up on the stand where the uh, soon-to-be attorneys can practice their cross-examination of, your people. Now, That's what that helps do is, first of all, train your investigators to be prepared for trial because you don't want to be learning how to testify when you're in a real trial. So it helps there. It gets your name out in front of that professor. It also gets your name in front of all those soon-to-be attorneys. Okay? Mm-hmm. they are going to be attorneys here shortly. They're going to be your clients or potential clients. So you're getting your name out in front of them. What we're getting ready to do here in Illinois uh, I'm on the board with the Illinois Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. Uh, we're getting ready to start offering a mentorship program for new young attorneys just coming out of school. They're going to have, you know, different attorneys that will help them. you know walk them through different things they need to do, motions, file, you know, different things of that nature. Myself, I'm going to be the investigator offering the insight as a perspective from a criminal defense investigator. Now, how's it going to help my business? The time I take talking to these attorneys and kind of nurturing them and helping them progress in their career, is mm-hmm. what? When they finally start getting to that next level, who are they going to call whenever they got a problem? Whenever they right. got a client who's actually got you know funding available to hire an investigator, you're planting those seeds. You're building those you know relationships for future. So
1: that that's really a- e- that's things. really excellent, Kevin. Because lawyers don't get anything about investigations in law school. They have no idea. No. Nothing ex- whatsoever. Excellent. So how much do you estimate that it it costs to get one client?
2: Well, about. it really depends. You know, I mean, you, you can you get there's a formula you can use. Um, you you know, I first of all everybody should really have a marketing budget, have some kind of numbers in mind about here's how much I'm gonna set aside <laughs> for marketing this year. And then Determine, okay, how many clients did I get off of that marketing? Let's just say, for example, you had a marketing budget of, say, $10,000. And you got 50 clients off of that $10,000 you're able to determine. That would give you an acquisition cost per client of $200, you know. Uh, Being a guerrilla marketer, we try to do it as creative as possible and as cheap as possible. Because a lot of us we're just getting started. We just don't have that big kind of marketing budget. That's why if you can do press releases, um, you know, if you can you know, do these free speaking engagements to the Kiwanas, the different groups and stuff like that, it gets your name out there. And then what it helps become is you get this, what they call top of mind awareness, which means whenever I've got a problem, I need a solution, I'm going to call you. And when you can start developing that, where people start thinking about you when they get that problem, and they have no other resources to turn to, and they call you, you have really accomplished something there. So I truly think everybody needs to have some type of marketing budget. And, you know, for we've all been guilty of this before with uh, the radio person coming in the door, you know, wanting to sell you whatever their latest, greatest package is. Mm -hmm. And what do we do? We say, well, geez, it's been a while since I've advertised. So yeah, maybe I need to do something. And then they sign you up, and you're like, okay, now what? Um, but they don't really want to know anything about your business. They don't want to understand what your problems are and what, you know, things you're trying to, you know, solve or, you know, target market you're trying to go after anything. They're just selling you a package. What I recommend to do is is basically figure out, okay, what market do I want to go at? Figure that out first and foremost, okay? Then what media or medias should I use for that, whether it be direct mail whether it be, you know, uh, I'm going to do speaking engagements or I'm going to do press releases or maybe I'm going to put some ads in the paper, you know, uh, put a flyer out, you know, put, put some little signs out around town or whatever it might be, you know. Then I'm going to figure out what is my message going to be. So you mm-hmm. figure out your market, then you figure out, okay, which you know, basically what, what, what media am I going to use, what's my message going to be. You know, and, and, and figure that out because most of us come in, they sell us the latest, greatest package, and then we're clueless about how to really effectively use you know the money we have set aside for marketing because we're just kind of throwing something out there and hoping it sticks.
1: You know, I call that knee-jerk marketing. Actually, so yeah. you're talking yes. you're talking about having some kind of a strategic plan that you're not waiting till somebody walks in the door to sell you something. You are planning out where you're going to go, how you're going to do it, and what your message is going to be ahead of time.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, because think about it. Who's going to own your business better than you? You know what you're trying to target. You know the, the areas that you're wanting to focus on. And Bill mentioned this earlier about riches and niches. You know Find those niche markets out there that you're not just going to be like every other investigator doing the same things. Find some little targeted niches that nobody's tapping into or that there's problems that need to be solved. And like say, you look, at, look in the newspaper. There's where business opportunities are at every single day in the headline. You know, we just have to right. figure out how can we tie that into our business.
1: And, and Kevin, as long as we're t- some of this stuff uh, came about through a seminar that was given by Diana Guerin last week, so I want to just give a shout out to Diana Guerin who has two c- True Perceptions Marketing Company. So if anybody's interested in her and her marketing skills, it's True Perceptions. You can Google that. Yeah, as I was
2: going to say, I was talking to Diana, and, and uh, interested with Diana, uh, you know, developing you know, the book she's got out there, which I'd highly recommend everybody to get about online uh, dating scams. I don't have the exact name in front of me right now. Uh, but that's a unique niche market that nobody has tapped into, You know, all these different dating sites out there, but nobody is backgrounding these people, and there's all kinds of terrible stories out there, you know, going on about these dating scams and tragedies that are happening, and that right there is a wide open market to me, for everybody.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, back to, um, and I'll find out the name of that book before we leave the air here, because I have it. So you said $10,000. What if you don't have $10,000? People, you know, small companies may only have $500 to do marketing. What do you do then?
2: Then you get creative. That's what i You you You've got a computer. You can do press releases. You know, you can create your own flyers. You've got to have business cards. You've got to have business cards, and you need to have business cards with you everywhere you go because everybody at one time or another is a potential, you know, client. You know, you think about it. Knowledge is power. There's always people out there that either need information, you know, have gotten hurt, have gotten in trouble, or just need help and they have no other resources to go to. So I think if a person's getting into business, they don't have much of a marketing budget whatsoever or even probably any budget at all, you know, get you some business cards. you You know, do some press releases. Try to get as much free publicity as you can reaching out to your local radio stations, your TV stations, your newspapers, especially if there's a case or something that's, that's timely right now, maybe a national case, but you can still put the spin onto the local angle of it, if, if you will. Because, you know, they're always looking for stories. They're always just looking to fill space, you know, or fill you know, radio time, you know, things of that nature. Those don't cost you any time, I mean, any money, other than just your time.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you're getting
2: started in this business, you got plenty of time on your hands. I exactly. would also contact somebody like me or Diana or somebody that could just chat with you for a little bit and kind of get you steered in the right direction. That's one thing that I wish more of us would do: was would, would help mentor the young people you know coming up in the business. Not so much young in age, but young in you know starting the business mm-hmm. and helping them not make the mistakes that we did. You know, when I first got in this business, I made phone calls to several prominent professional investigators in our industry, and they all tried to discourage me. They all said there's no business, there's no money. Well, I'm the kind of person where, don't tell me, you know, I can't do something because now I'm really going to go do it. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be there to help other people. Anytime know what, they want. what?
1: There, there is business for anybody that does a good job. There's always business for somebody that does a good job.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's so much to go around. If people would just get outside that tunnel vision of just saying, okay, I'm just targeting attorneys, you know, if they look, you know, you've got financial institutions, you got, you know, retail establishments, you know, I mean, there's just, you know, all kinds of different, you know, areas out there that we can, you know, tap into, if we just, you know, think outside the box.
1: How important is your website?
2: Website is extremely important. Um, we talk about search engine optimization, which, you know, to me, I'm going to use an expert on that. I'm not going to you know, going to talking about things that I'm really not real skilled at talking about. But I can tell you, a website is very important. It also has to be a website that, that looks professional, that is grammatically correct. And you say, well, okay, what if I make a few grammar errors? Well, here's the problem you're going to have sometimes, because I've had this before just on my domain names. When you go testify in court and you're up there on that witness stand, it's wide open, whatever they want to ask you about. And uh, I had a, a, a prosecutor one time ask me about one of my websites just because of the name that was associated with the website, which was WeSpyForYouTube.com. You know, he wanted, to make <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: a big, he wanted to make a big issue over that,
1: yeah, you know. For sure.
2: So it goes back to having a very professional, polished-looking website. And, you know, for the most part, we've all done the same thing. And I'm guilty of it just like everybody else. We all, for the most part, have brochure websites. Which means it talks all about us. It doesn't talk anything about our clients or what's in it for them, you know. And I think we really need to start reevaluating what our message is when they come to our website, you know, because well, they all pretty much look all cookie cutter.
1: And that's a good place to leave, Kevin. That's a very good, very good advice. Thank you so much. We're at the okay. end of our hour, and thank you for sharing what you've learned in your past twenty plus years. Also, Diana's book is uh, "Who's the Man Behind the Screen," and she has another one coming up. So uh, keep your eyes on that. It's "Is It a Real Soldier Behind the Screen?" So that's Diana Guerin's book. Join me again next week when we declassify more real stories from real investigators, like private investigator Kevin McLean. Every Thursday morning, it's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening.